Welcome to Control the Controllables. I'm Dan Kiernan from Soto Tennis Academy in Spain, and we've teamed up with Max Tennis Academy in Ireland. We've brought this podcast together to entertain, educate, and energize the tennis community through the different lenses of the sport that we love. From Grand Slam champions to those at grassroots level, from sports journalists to backroom staff, Our aim is truly to get under the bonnet of the tennis world at all levels. So sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 138 of Control the Controllables. As we've always said, tennis really is a sport for life. You can play tennis since you're born until your death. And many times we miss to promote our sport that you can play in all of your ages, all your publics, anywhere, with anybody. It is a, it's a way to communicate, to create relationships. That's why I say we overrate high performance. And who better qualified to talk through the very start of tennis all the way through at all the various levels from beginners all the way through to Grand Slam champions than Fernando Segal. Fernando is an amazing man. He's dedicating his life to our industry, to the tennis industry. You know, I think there's many people in this industry that are that are looking out just for themselves, the nature of the way that tennis is set up. Whereas Fernando has been at all the levels as he's worked for the for the Brazilian, the Mexican, the New Zealand, the Argentinian tennis federations. And when he's been in charge of those programs, there's been 16 junior Grand Slam champions. There's been top 10 ATP and WTA players and many top 100 players as well. But he has chosen to dedicate himself through the institute that he has set up. He has dedicated himself to be able to bring development concepts. He's working with many, many coaches globally to to really lead the way in making this a more professional industry from all areas of the game. And for that, I can't commend him enough. I've had some dealings with Fernando, with online conferences and various things that he is bringing to us and bringing to the tennis world. And I have to say he has an absolute heart of gold. He's a great guy and I know that you're really going to enjoy listening to him for the next hour. So sit back, as always, get that notepad ready. There's a lot of gems in there. And after you listen, if there's anything you want to find out about Fernando, then Google him, follow the links in our in our podcast notes, and you'll be able to find out a lot more about what he's doing as well. But I'm now going to pass you over to Fernando Segal. Mm-hmm. Fernando Segal, a big welcome to Control the Controllables. How are you doing? Thank you, Daniel, for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be with you. And always I'm looking at your programs because, firstly... I, I love the name, you know, which is, uh, from my point of view, tennis is a very uncontrollable sport that control, the controllables is a very good name. And, and I have to start by saying happy Innovation Day. If we go back to October the 16th, 1833, we were introduced to tennis when Major Wingfield was born back in October 16th. And then he introduced us to the rules of tennis that we now know back in 1873. So I know that's a big thing for you. I know it's a big thing that you're pushing. How, how are you celebrating Innovation Day? Well, th- thank you to remember that. It's very important for us because I, th- I truly believe that we need to connect the dots between the past and the future working in the present. And we have to recognize, if you see what happened in the last, let's say, tennis was invented for Winfield 1873, the first pattern, was, was a very fa- funny story because uh, the first pattern, he was a croquet player. And the first pattern, he didn't invent the racket. He didn't invent the balls. He didn't invent the nets. His invention was to put everything together in one box and to put some rules that everyone can play on parks with family, with friends. And, but he put it on 1873, the name of, of uh, Sparatiske, which is in Greek, is the ball game. 
And he was very smart because also he was a visionary, uh, innovative spirit, but always also he was thinking like a businessman because in 1874, he changed the pattern for lawn tennis because the first name, nobody understands it. You know, and changed the name for lawn tennis and start to develop, you know, the, the, our, our game. And another thing which is very important, 1877 became Wimbledon, which was the first big tournament. And that game became one sport, transforming millions of lives. That's why we truly believe, and uh, not only in the innovation tennis community, like you are part uh, with the TVD conference and many things that we are doing, we have to celebrate our inventor. We have to celebrate how did it start everything, you know, because connecting the past, because we have many different innovators during 100 years in many, many things, you know, in many different areas. Even we don't change too much the rules. We have many different innovators that we can comment. But anyway, the thing is, we have to celebrate tennis and celebrating Winfield. Absolutely. And those that are listening, if you don't know the story, spend this Saturday night, this Sunday night, wherever you are, spend some time researching. You know, it's a, it's a sport that has given us both so much. It's giving so many people so much. And, and I guess going back to the start for you, Fernando, where did, where did this passion, because that's what you clearly have for the sport, where, where was that passion born for you? Well, I'm coming from a city, very Argentinian city. The name is Mar del Plata, where we used to go with one club, famous club, Club Nautico Mar del Plata, which is the place where we used to sail and play tennis because it's a, we have a beach city and, uh, and the club is over, over the porch of the city and you can sail. Every, every kid is sailing, playing basketball and soccer and playing tennis. It's like the, the two main sports. And Villas came, Guillermo Villas, who was the biggest champion in our, of, uh, on the professional circuit, uh, is coming from this, my master coach, the same master coach that I have. And my feeling was always to be more like a coach. And uh, uh, immediately, uh, I, because I truly believe that tennis is a way to build relationship with people. I think tennis is a bridge. You know, it's Absolutely. a way to communicate or to create relationships. And that's why I, let's say I fell in love with the process of how you can develop yourself and help to develop others through tennis. And then early ages, I started to coach with my coach, working with players. And then since then, I started to travel all over the world, studying different things which are more focused to be behind the scene. Because from my point of view, we need to create leaders and let's say development tennis leaders, which are prepared to build up the system because high performance, you and me, we did work in high performance, but we know that the, I used to say that high performance is the strawberry of the cake, yeah. you know? but we have to create a bigger cake. You know? And that's, that's why I so focus uh, to put all my energy and I spend the last 44 years of my life working in this profession until my last day. And I think as well, Fernando, it's, it, it's an incredible story because I have so many people come onto this podcast and tell their tennis stories. And I guess the, the traditional story is quite selfish. It's quite, I, I wanted to be a tennis player. I set about trying to be a tennis player. I then realized I wasn't going to be a tennis player. So then I thought, well, what can I do to make money out of the sport and go in and coach? And then many of the coaches that I then speak to uh, are interested in developing a single player. You know, and whereas what really hits me with what you've done and what, what, where your passion lies is your ability to impact many through the systems that you've created through developing human beings. So, so can you give us some examples on how you've been able to do that over the last 44 years? Yeah, of course. Uh, when I'm my concert, I want to, 
And the other day I was speaking with one friend of us, Emma Doyle, in one interview as well, talking about it. When I, I got 24 years, I, I decided I decide to think about to develop myself, to be in the top position of my country. You know, of course, always you, you, want to be re- you want to be relevant in your country. And that's why, let's say I, I had a dream, you know, to be like a national director for tennis of Argentina. Yeah. But I decided to create my pathway at the year 24 and I achieved it at my year 36. It's spent 12 years traveling around for many countries, studying different, the Australian, Germans, the English method, the, I went to United States, France, I studied in France, because to create a system is totally different when you work with one player. You can work with players, but also you have to work with the team around the player. And if you want to create a system, many, many times, it's a mistake thinking like to create one player will develop a country. Sometimes happen, sometimes not. Even sometimes you can have a very good number of tennis players, but even though you can probably, you cannot have many people playing tennis in the day by day on clubs, which is participation. There are different, nine different areas of to develop tennis. And that's why when we talk about tennis development, many people think that it's only related to develop one top player. No, you can be the champion of mini tennis. You can be the champion to coach the coaches. You can be the champion of promotion. You can be many things in the, or you can be the best on adults. You know what I mean? Or making tournaments. Uh, my point is, when I got the position to be national director, we changed everything. And also we produce a big number of players, which they achieve Grand Slams, top top 10 and ATP and WTA. But I'm proud about those players, but also I am proud because we did the, let's say the school tennis program with more than 800,000 kids playing on primary schools. And also we create a system to develop coaches. And also we create, we change the competition system, it means to create an approach to develop the country, it means you have to cover many, many areas. We, we, this is, from my point of view, one of the weaknesses that we are doing in tennis. We don't prepare many times our coaches to be top leaders on developed tennis because tennis is not only one player. Tennis, and also, if you, if you see what happened with Bill Tilden, let's talk about history. Bill Tilden was the number one in the world in the 20s. He was an American player, yep. you know, and, and, and he was incredible because he was the number one. He won 10 Grand Slams, but Danny, he wrote 20 books. Can you imagine Djokovic or Nadal writing books about how he played against the others? You know, he, play, he, he wrote many books. He played one book, which is much playing and a spin of the ball, 1924. And that was the book that my master coach, Felipe, you know, learned how to use topspin. Because Tilden was saying that at the beginning, he created angles then to hit down the line. But he used topspin, 1924. And Bill Tilden, you know, also, he was a a great, uh, you know, leader to create promotion for tennis. And he used to say, tennis is a lifelong sport. You can play tennis since you're born until your death. And many times we miss to promote our sport that you can play in all of your ages, all your publics, anywhere, with anybody. This is a way to communicate, to create relationship. That's why I say, and many, many things Let's say, and I, I will say again, no, we are coming from high performance. We did a lot of high performance. From my programs, I won with players and coaches, 16 Grand Slam juniors, and we had many, but I'm more proud to have thousands of people who play tennis all their lives. 
because that's the meaning from my point of view. So in some way, in terms of the image of tennis, which is very good, we overrate high performance. We, are, we need to be more focused and that all the benefits and value of our sport for people. Yeah, and, and I think on that point, Fernando, it's such a good point. It's one of the things, again, that I'm a big believer in is, is I think as human beings, we almost judge our own self-worth based on the level of tennis player that we are working with. So, so it's, you know, if, you know, we've had, I had a Emma Raducanu's coach, he, he, Alistair Filmer coached Emma Raducanu between, between, between the ages of 11 and 14, 11 and 15. And he talked about when Emma was taken away from him at 14 or 15, he had this period of, of real difficulty of kind of questioning himself as a, almost as a person. You know, and 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 he then had this self-realization that actually it wasn't about the players that he worked with. It was about the program that he was creating that then provided the opportunity for 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 so many other people. And I think there's a lot of coaches out there will have this same thing. And this is why I, I believe the word performance is a bit of a dirty word, you know, because we almost feel, oh, I'm 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 a performance coach. So that means now I'm I'm at a higher level for some reason as a person to to the other. Now, in your experience working for various national federations, what is the role of a federation? Because it feels that a lot of federations kind of back that idea that you're a better coach if you're working with better players. Well, this is a let me let me respond a little. Uh, a little bit about what one aspect that you did mention. From my point of view, everyone in tennis has to be a high performer. High performer means that you are the best in the area that you are working for. Can be adults, can be in tournaments, can be in mini tennis, can be any area of tennis, can be business, can be in development, you know, uh, and promotion. We, we have a strong weaknesses in promotion and participation. Why? Because we don't prepare the coaches, let's say, to sell tennis, you know? Uh, and that's why, from my point of view, National Tennis Federation has to be the platform to develop systems. But in terms of high performance, you and me, we know that everyone is coming usually for the private sector. Even working with the Federation, you can have the support of the Federation. I was national director of many countries. You know, I try always to support private programs like a national, your, your, your platform has to be to develop the sport because, you know, if you go to the, with the first, let's say agreement, when you build up your national federation, one of the key aspects of the federation is to organize, to promote and to develop any federation say, but to develop high-performing players. And any, and any paper of the federation say that, you know, that's why the, the first objective for the National Tennis Federation has to be to create platform to develop tennis in terms of promotion, organization, rules, uh, open new facilities, open more alternatives, educate coaches, create a lot to educate, to show with example. And also bring money to the sport to support because to develop a player which could have success in international level is so tough. It's less of one point, you know, percent of 100% or 1,000%. It's just a very few, 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 few yeah. percentage. And you need a lot of money and you need a lot of support. You know, when I was I when I was national director in Argentina the first time in 1996, immediately I created the sports science, you know, department, the psychology department. We hired four five coaches and we put all the national team to help every private project, not to catch or to control the player, to help the player. You know, and that's from my point of view the rules and the focus that every tennis federation has to do. And also to create in the same level, 
And also in my position, I try to do it because this is probably could be like an advice for everyone who is listening this, to put in the same level of Davis Cup team, a promotional team. Because what happened in National Tennis Federation, many times they try to catch money from Davis Cup. They put a lot of money in terms of Davis Cup or Fed Cup or Village and Keep Cup right now, but they don't do the same to develop the grassroots of the game. And you have to put in the same level of importance. That's why I used to say to everyone, there are three teams which are very important and have to be in the same level when you create a structure. First, high performance, of course, you know, Davis Cup, Juniors coming, Fed Cup, whatever, you know. Coaches education, you have to have strong because coaches are always in the middle of the scene. They are in the trench. The guy you have to prepare is the coach and the manager. You know, sometimes the director of the club. And third one, you have to develop a team, which is a promotion team. When you are in the, when you go to the supermarket, you know, and you go to, you know, to buy anything, always there are a promoting, you know, showing a product saying, oh, mister, can you taste this, this uh, little cheese or little, you know, cake or cookie, whatever, you know, they are promoting the product. We don't yeah. do that. In my presentation on TVD, I'm saying tennis has not the slogan. This is a, you know, a first, a first, let's say, um, how to say in English, the, the first impact, let's say, the, the first news for you. It's a, in my presentation on TVD, I say tennis, like a sport, we don't have tagline. We don't have slogan. Could be lifetime sport, could be whatever. You, you can do whatever you want. Because yeah, yeah. big organizations can work on that. But we don't promote in the same level in terms of uh, our strategy. Why not? Why not, though? Because I, I agree. I agree with you. And I guess to give a couple of my thoughts, it feels as if everyone's working in their own little bubbles, doing their own little things. You know, a lot of self-employed coaches just trying to trying to make their their money, not really thinking of the bigger the bigger picture in the industry. Why? Why? are we not promoting the sport? Why is tennis not promoted? Because in some way, and which is probably could be like a critics of our system, but sometimes you have to say what you have to say, you know, sometimes our organization works more like a political party, like an organization thinking on the industry. You know, if you think, let's say Nike, just do it. You know, you you need to create a tagline. Could be the ITF, could be the ATP, could be, or could be everyone. Let's set down the seven organization and let's say, okay, we will be under the same umbrella, the same tagline. Why? Because tennis is, let's say, tennis is not only 2,000, 3,000 tennis players which are pro playing professional tennis. You know, tennis is more than 300 million people right now playing tennis. Yep. And that's, if we understand that, and we recognize, uh, Daniel, we recognize ourselves like an industry. Of course, we need to protect and help the guys who are coaches working in the trench. But if you put a tagline, which is open in minds, you know, that's why I say many times, uh, because many people say tennis is so fragmented, no? You, we have seven organizations running. And I used to say, I don't care that. My point is, let's work together in coincidence. Let's work together, the seven organization or the organization, which kind of thing we are agree, and let's work together for, for the benefits and the health of our sport. Because for us, it's very important to create a healthy, uh, innovative, let's say, and proactive sport. How how do we professionalize the industry? Because I think, you know, one of the things I, you know, we talk a lot about this fragmented industry, lots of different, lots of different elements to it, like you say. But, but at the same time, one of the things I see is I see a lot of young people getting involved in, in the sport in whatever way. It might be performance analysis. It might be a tennis coach. It might be racket stringing. It might be, you know, there's many different things. H however, 
I think a lot of people become quite disillusioned quite fast that there isn't there isn't a career path. There isn't this professionalized way. Um, so then on the back of that, there seems to be quite kind of quite a cynical view of, of the sport, you know. So how how can we how can we professionalize the industry? Very good question, Daniel. I think we need to work a lot to put over the table the situation, the issues, the problems, you know, the, uh, which which are opportunities. Don't 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 blame. Don't yeah. don't talk about what happened in the past. Let's work since today for the future. That's why we create TBD. One of the key aspects is to recognize your weaknesses. Let's uh, let's talk about our profession. Us, like coaches, you have the ATP, which is men professional players. Let's say like uh, organization. Do you have WTA, which is the women's tennis coaches association? You know, covering the women players in the tournaments. You have the ITF, which is running all, all the about national federation and national federation regional clubs. We don't have worldwide coaches association. We don't have any entity which is representing us like a coaches. Also helping to create a pathway, how to certify coaches, working with any organization can be use PTA, PTR, whatever, ITF, whatever, it doesn't care that. The thing is, let's face that tennis coaches are the weakest part of the link. You know, why? For ourselves. We don't have, you know, the character or the personality because like you say, we are so in the trench working for the day by day and that's it. You know, we don't think like we are in industry and we need the other guy. You, you need the other coach, even if he is in a competition. Yeah. You need that. You, we are all, all of us belong to the same ship. We are yeah. in tennis. That's why we need to put another, because probably we need to talk five, four hours program about the problem that we have. There are a lot, you know. If you see what happened in professional tennis, most of the coaches, they don't have contracts. They don't have annual protection. If the player are taking out the coach, you know, you miss it. They don't have insurance retirement. They don't have health insurance. They don't have, you know, sometimes you have a lot of glamour to be in the same way, but you are very unprotected in many ways. Probably you have, let's say 20, 30% of the coaches covered. But what happened with the other 70%? Yeah, I'm talking, the coaches who are traveling with players at the top of the circuit. What happened in the coaches? Let me, let me tell you something. There are only three countries in the world which to be a tennis coach, you are protected by law. Like any other profession, like an architect, like a tree of 2010. Probably, let's say, let's, let's work for the future. Let's work for the next 10 years, 15 years. Let's work you and me and many others, you know, let's work to change that. Probably in 20 years to have all the coaches protected by law in one club with any other profession. But we are working on that. No, you know, there are many, many things to talk about. But my point is, first thing which is very important is to recognize ourselves like we are in industry and every industry are working to take care of themselves and to keep growing in a pathway for the future. I am asking to you, you know, someone is helping to you to have a pathway and to say to you, Daniel, in your academy, in your program, tennis has to be in the next 10 years, 15 years, and your project has to be like this? Nobody. No. You are in your own. You know, you are like a Tarzan on the jungle, you know, you have to fight to everyone. Yeah, and I think you re- you rely you're relying, yeah, you're relying on highly, highly motivated individuals that are that are, are trying to create certain certain things. But it's it's like I said before, my point before, it's so easy, I think, to get disillusioned with, within the sport because because there isn't 
you know, we think of working on the tour and working at the at the highest level as being the the holy grail of our sport. And I think quite often coaches eventually get there because maybe they're the only ones that uh, can travel 35 weeks away from their parents, uh, from their families. You know, maybe those coaches are in a position where actually they don't care about medical insurance because we're 24 years old and I, I'm not even thinking about those things yet. So, so then the credibility of the sport just it, it, go, it goes downhill as well because you start to see very experienced coaches getting cynical saying why are these young coaches working with working with the best players and it's it's this kind of ongoing negative negative thought process now what I love about you Fernando and when we've spoken before I've I've read a lot about you I, I I'm here to support in 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 the things that you're that you're doing if you could make, two changes to our industry the two most important changes what would they be first to create a better pathway for coaches for for because from my point of view number one coaches are in the trench yeah. coaches also they have to be responsible and committed for our profession because you know Daniel we have like any profession we are very good professional, good professional, so-so professional, not too, not too good professionals. You know, yeah. it's us who have to create ethical concepts. You know, we have to create protocols. Uh, also, we have to try to be protected by law. Uh, also, we have to, another example, everyone can have a batch of tennis coach in one professional tournament, anyone. If you are traveling with one player, it doesn't care if you are the cousin, the friend, or the uncle, whatever, you know? Well, Tony Nadal is the uncle, but he <laughs> deserves it, you know? But the, the thing is, that has to be, it's common sense, you know? Because the, the guy is showing, you know, in any, in any other project, oh, I went to 30 different ATP tournaments or WT uh, tournaments or whatever, you know? It don't make sense. You have to be, to be a coach, even working with a player, you have to be certified in some way. Or not, you can receive the guest pass. Receive the guest pass. And with the guest pass, you can go anywhere on different level, but yeah. to be a coach on the tour, like happened in NBA. In NBA, you have to be certified that you have the degree, an NBA certification, to be and to say to everyone, I am an MBA coach. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's, absolutely. Sometimes it's easy, easy thing, common sense. You know what I mean? It, that's why, from my point of view, first thing that, to your question is work with the coaches to create a pathway to better development on that. And secondly, from my point of view, I think ATP and WTA right now, they are doing an incredible work in many areas. You know, they are bringing innovation. They are bringing uh, a strategy of fan engagement. They are changing, you know, and integrating more, more things. Of course, there are more things to do, but they are working in the, let's say, to bring innovation and bring growth to our sport. But from my point of view, nobody is working with small academies. Nobody is working with clubs. Nobody is working. This is the second one. The second one is let's keep the take care of the grassroots of tennis. Let's create a pathway to help the guy who is small academy, two, three courts, any place in the world, you know, and let's work with them to try to help them grow. And sometimes help them grow, it's only put some concepts, make a like a guideline, you know what I mean? It's like a create some help that the people can learn for successful cases, you know, and create a community and community success. Because in terms of the impact, we have an incredible sport. We are, we are the number one sport, individual sport in the world. Image, tennis, wonderful. But what happened behind, yep. we have to work a lot. But if we got to the point, I guess, Fernando, of let's say a thousand men and a thousand women making money through playing the sport. Now, now there's more money 
been circulated across the industry. There's now there's now more more players are paying are paying coaches to to be able to travel. There's now more money going into academies. There's now more money going into clubs. There's now more string racket string stringing. There's now more clothes being sold. There's now you know the whole the whole thing. So so this is what we're being sold a little bit with Novak Djokovic and the PTPA. That one of one of his motivations is that the money is can come down a little bit. What are your what are your thoughts on the the PTPA and that movement? I think, of course, it's a human being, you know, situation that everyone is a little scared to change, you know, but. To evolve is part of ourselves. You can evolve in a very conscious way, or you can evolve without to be conscious what happened with you. You know, what happened from my point of view in the sport. Probably tennis has to be more fair because if you compare what happened in golf and what happened in tennis, you have at least 300 players in golf earning money to, for their life. And we need to do something quite similar in tennis. And we, we have to be more innovative in ways to think ahead. No, in tennis is very frequent, and probably you are with me on that, that talking bad, you know, about the past, about others, about the system, rather to think, okay, let's, let's work together. Let's, yeah. Which is your perspective? Your, which is your vision? Let's try to find. We don't have that in tennis because everyone is fighting their own fight, you know, rather to think that we belong in the same ship. We are the Titanic, you know, we, we sunk, we sunk together. That's why and many times we need to understand that. And of course, to understand that you need leaders, you know, you need leaders to understand that. Leaders yeah. that they, they can speak for many other people, you know, but the thing is, of course, working uh, with knowledge try to do, of course, could be very disrupting, could be controversial, you know, but for sure, I don't know too much what they are doing because they, they put like a six months ago, they put a, like a communication officer, they put a CEO, some guys on board to work on the day by day process. You know, I don't know what they are doing right now, but even though you, we, you have like an industry recognize that if we have 300 million people playing tennis, it's impossible that only 100 or 150 are earning money. And other sports are supporting the development phases of the player. Here, parents are supporting the development phases of the tennis player, you know? And it's asking for, for people to put their money, you know, to develop one dream, which is tiny chance to be successful, like you know, that's why something we need to change, like the industry. But from my point of view, in terms of the grassroots, in terms of coaching, many, many people think it's a very common mistake that people think that innovation is coming only through technology. No, innovation is everything. Can be in human development, can be in education, can be in business, can be in organization can be in the way that you teach tennis, you know? Dennis Van Der Mee was an innovative guy. He created a standard method. Lacoste, he created the first ball machine. You know what I mean? It's like, a, it's the way that you think and you change and you bring some something which will help the sport and millions of lives or hundreds of lives, whatever, you know, depending the where you are. But the thing is, we need to face ourselves and work like an industry, of course, in every level, you know what I mean? In every level, but we have to recognize that we have to change, not the rules from my point of view. Keep doing like a traditional game, you know, but in terms of fan engagement, promotional, participation, how we coach the coaches, how we protect the coaches. In NBA, Daniel, every coach is protected by the NBA. Yeah. If the team is, you know, taking out a coach, the NBA, you know, is responsible to cover the contract. You know what I mean? It's like a think like an industry. Try to 
let's say the, the guys at the ATP try to resolve your things, WTA your things, ITF your things, but you know, but try like a puzzle. Let's take a piece, you know, repair it, put it again, take another one. It's like, but you have to be in charge, you know? Yeah. And you've, Fernando, you've mentioned now TBD a couple of times, and obviously we've got the the innovation week coming up in the in the next few days, which I'm proud to be a proud to be a part of. Can you just let the listeners know a little bit more about what TBD is and what the innovation week ahead is going to bring? Yeah, thank you, Daniel. It's a great question because it's a project that we did work for the last three years in concept to create an environment which we can bring all the innovators, creators and leaders together to talk about what we need to grow. Remember the movie Back to the Future? Yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah, that's, that's the key. I think in tennis, we need to create how has to be the future, let's say in clubs, academies, pro tennis projects, show how it has to be, you know, it's like a like create a pathway and then be back. That's why we call it innovation in action. Let's say you have the vision, you can show the ideas, and let's work today. Probably we're gonna change 10 years. And we put it, we put a pathway. Probably on, on the day-by-day -day process, you change it slightly for one side or the other side, but you have a pathway. You know, it's the same when you when you develop a player. And TBD means to bring innovation in technology, business, and development. And we put TBD for two reasons. Let's say three reasons. First, to bring back the spirit of Wimble, which is he was an innovative, creative, and a big leader in terms of create a game and, and the purpose that everyone can play first. Secondly, the, the, to create a pathway for the future, bring the innovators and leaders we have 88 speakers on the conference and more than 20 com companies showing products. It's like, a, let's bring ideas to change every club, help to change every club, every academy, how they have to work for the future. And the third concept, which is very important, let's put key aspect that we have to follow. You know, I think we're, we're, we have on TBD conference many key presentation that if you follow the presentation you take notes but because everyone who are at, attending the, the conference they can watch every presentation for 30 days you know as many times they want they can stop in a very good app which is tennis one tennis one you can watch in tennis one everything you stop your presentation take notes you know and then you think and you have 88 persons saying in 24 different areas, because we have parents training, formative tennis, technology, environment, uh, marketing, customer data, uh, strategy, uh, business strategy, different areas. And you can learn a lot. Just stop, write, change your plan, and then move ahead. And you can repeat it as many times as you want. No? Fantastic. And, and, and for anyone that is interested in that, in the podcast notes, all of the, all of the details of how you can get involved with that. And like I say, it's a, it's a chance of a lifetime. You know, we're, we're in an amazing sport. I think, I, I think all of us at some point, if we're not feeling it now, have felt a little bit alone in this sport. We felt a little bit kind of stuck in a spider's web of not quite sure which direction we're going to go. And can I continue doing 40, 45 hours on court every single week just, uh, just to make enough money to put food on the table, you know, and to have the chance to have all of these inspirational people that are going to speak to you and the ideas that can be created. I would strongly recommend all of you get involved and, you know, for very, for a very little fee, you know, this could be life-changing for some of you that are listening, you know, it really could. There's a lot of amazing people in our industry. And that's, that's one of the things I've loved Fernando doing this podcast is I, I just can't, not that I can't believe it because I'm a, I'm a positive thinker and I think the best of people anyway, it's, it's, it's in my nature, but just to, to sit and look in the eyes of so many 
incredible people that we already have in our industry, you know, doing, you know, all the different things, all the different lenses of the sport, whether it's a sports agent, whether it's a racket stringer, an umpire, a player, a coach, a journalist, you know, all of these different areas. And, and the one common thing that comes through loud and clear from every single guest that we've had is, is passion. And this, this sport gets in our blood. You know, and I think it's it's the sort of sport that, Absolutely. you know, sticks with us once once it's there, we've got it for life. Sometimes we don't know why, but there's almost nothing that we can do about it. You know, and I think we've all got this love for for the sport. And if we can all work together to move the sport forward, to move the industry forward for not just for ourselves, but for the next generations coming up. And, you know, I, one of the things I really do think, Fernando, and is ultimately as human beings, I think we are used to status quo. You know, I think we're we're quite comfortable with with status quo, and we're scared of change. You know, change change is something that is 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 very challenging for us. You know, it seems to me that you're quite comfortable with change. You're quite comfortable with disruption. You're quite comfortable to be to be doing these things because you know it's for the right reasons. So so what is next for Fernando Segal? What what are you going to disrupt next? What are you going to change next? And what happens the next few years? Uh, let me let me tell you, Daniel, uh, thank you for what you are doing for tennis because the podcasts and all the interviews you are doing, you are doing uh, help people to understand our game, to our, understand our sport through the interviews, you know, and you have different voices, different perspectives, different stories behind the people in the story. And talking about what you're saying, always leadership first is coming from your heart. Leadership yeah. is coming from your heart. Then it's passing through your mind. And then you think how you're going to do it. But the engine you know, the gasoline is here. Yeah, That's absolutely. why it's a very common aspect that we share. And, uh, and I think it's another particular aspect on tennis. We love how, uh, let's say, the big three are, you know, the Djokovic, Nadal, and Ferrer, you know, how they, they keep playing, they keep evolving, they keep saying, change is part of our life. You can be aware of that, or you can be not. But changing, it's happening every day. Every day we are getting older. Every day, the thing is, face yourself, which is the legacy concept that you want, you want to let to the next generation. You have to pass the torch and create a better environment for our profession, because this is the meaning. The meaning is, you know, when Daniel, for sure is happening to you, probably, one kid is coming, which used to be when the, the coaching program with you, let's say 15 years ago. And right now he's an architect, doctor, engineer, lawyer, whatever, and saying to you, hey, Daniel, wonderful to see you again. And it's the relationship, you create a relation through tennis. Probably this guy was not a top player, was a quite good player, but he is a nice human being, which he developed himself herself through tennis that's the key that's why we need to keep understanding the importance of our sport like not only industry the meaning of our sport because one of the key aspects and i truly believe that tennis is a sport that helps people to transform themselves because you have to work with yourself all the time like a player and then you challenge yourself you know if you are scared, if you have doubts, if you, you know, sometimes uh, you are first to lose, whatever, you have to work with yourself. And then it doesn't care the level you achieve in tennis. Then you will go to the life and you will be better prepared because you prepare yourself in tennis. That's, that's the key. I think we keep working on that. Of course, we will keep working with a different platform that we are building for, because I, I, I will try in my next uh, years to build up an innovators and creative leaders platform to have a common language, you know, and the confidence and the thing that we can do all together to face our situations and to face that we need to change for the future. 
Very good, Fernando. And no, it, it just got me thinking there as you as you were talking, I was kind of reflecting over the hundreds and thousands of players that have been through this academy. And I often I often get asked at the Soto Tennis Academy, what's your biggest success? And you know, again, you can have thoughts of Grand Slam junior Grand Slam champions, Grand Slam quarterfinalists, you know, these things come, but the the reality is that the biggest successes have been players that have come in or people that have come in and not been able to look an individual in the eye and, you know, haven't been able to go to school because they're so, they were, they were so bullied at school that they couldn't have relationships. And then three, four, five, six years on, as they've left the academy and they've gone on to be photographers or they've gone on to do the different different roles in life that they've gone to, they've, they've developed as human beings. And, and it's something that without a shadow of a doubt is, is, is a massive passion of my, of my own. You know, I know that this is what drives you as well, Fernando. And again, I just urge everyone, whether it's a parent, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach, anybody that's involved in the sport, Please never underestimate what this sport is doing to you as a character, as a person. And don't allow that to get in the way because I do think a lot of parents, they'll they'll say, oh, the values and developing as a person, that's not why we're here. We're here to win tennis matches. Just, just be a little bit careful here when you're having these thoughts because you, you develop as, as a person, it's going to enhance your chances of winning tennis matches, but it's going to help you to be a happy, healthy human being. And and that ultimately has to has to win over any tennis match, over anything else in life. And I thank you, Fernando, for the work that you're doing, you know, on, on behalf of everyone in the tennis industry. If you haven't heard of Fernando Segal before, look into all the incredible work Fernando's doing. You know, he really is doing a lot of selfless acts that that are that are helping develop our industry. And and it's fantastic to have you come onto the show here today and talk about it, Fernando. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for all the insights and all the things that you are doing for tennis as well. And it was a pleasure to be with you. But now you don't get away without the quick fire round. Okay. The famous controller okay. controllables quick fire round. Are you ready? Okay. Let's, I will try. Forehand or backhand? Backhand. Clay court or hard court? Oh, Argentinian clay courts. What should tennis's tagline be? A lifetime sport. The number of grand slams that Novak Djokovic is going to win? 23. What's the most impactful innovation of the next five years going to be in tennis? Oh, very, very, that's a tough one because there are many, many things happening. I think... The best innovation, well, TBD is in innovation, War Tennis Innovation Day is in innovation, but I think the best innovation in terms of the health of our sports is everyone work, working together. Well answered. What's your favorite Grand Slam? Roland Garros. ATP Cup or Davis Cup? Uh, ATP Cup right now. Davis Cup used to be until you know, two days, two years ago. You're an innovator. You're an innovator. You have, you've got to go with the up-to-date innovation. And online, online conferences or in-person conferences? Absolutely. Right now, because we have to protect the planet, online conferences. Even we, we miss the physical contact, but in terms to be available, every knowledge that we have, Online conference. And what's one rule change you would have in tennis? Probab probably uh, to reduce the speed of the ball, but put in a little more slower the surface. And who should our next guest be on Control the Controllables? Well, um, there are many, many good, good innovators. But I think we need to bring back some of the legends. You know what happened to me? Seven years ago died, seven years ago died Big Braden. I would love to have Big Braden on my on TVD. 
You know, it's like a probably a good legend, Jack Ropel, what you had Jim Lohr, you know, those guys, you know, uh, Tony Roach, you know, Nick, you had Nick Valetieri as well. Bring Nicky Pillage, bring the old guys, you know, because the old guys can, Tony, Tony Picard can say to you something which is very important for the future. Very good. Uh, I just want to say thank you, Fernando. Thank you for your time. Uh, good luck with the next couple of weeks. I know there's going to be lots of things happening to those listening. Please get, do get signed up. You'll see, you'll see how to sign up to the TBD innovation conference in our podcast notes. And I look forward to seeing you all there. Thank you, Daniel. Take care. A big thank you to Fernando for coming on to the show. It's great. As we've always said, we want to show the different lenses of the game Yes, I could have spoken for an hour about David Nalbandian and all of these fantastic names that Fernando's been involved with, but we really wanted to get the message across about our industry. You know, my big takeaway from that, uh, we've been saying it, many guests have been bringing it up. How do we professionalize the industry? You know, Fernando's doing that, that by disrupting certain things you know, looking for change, you know, nothing, nothing happens without change, you know, and if we, we don't believe that we have the right systems in place right now, then we have to look to do different, different things, and I, I have a lot of sympathy with coaches, and I, my, I myself am one, you know, we work very hard, and we're in a position, most, most people are in a position where they're self-employed, and trying to take care of their own little business, and take care of their own localized patch as such. But we do need more people like Fernando that are looking at the bigger picture. You know, where does our industry go? The examples that he gives us from the NBA coaches. You know, we've had many people talking about it on the podcast. You can just rock up at a Grand Slam and be a coach. You know, and, and you've got all of these incredible coaches that have worked for years and years to get their badges, their licenses. But what does that really mean when we're in a business where anybody can do it? How do we create career pathways so that we can get talented young coaches into the game and we can showcase to them that there is a real true career pathway along that way how do we protect coaches insurance how do we put coaches in a place where where they're not just if they lose their job they don't lose all of their income you know there's there's many different aspects i'm completely with fernando there's many ways that we can we can do it to start making change to start professionalizing our industry it's not easy it's not something that can be done on our own I, I urge you all to sign up to the TBD Tennis Innovation Conference that's coming up in the next few days. You know, that's going to bring an 88 different speakers. That's going to bring many different ideas. If you're not a believer in that, give it a go. I think the best thing about these podcasts and about podcasts and getting different voices out there is it challenges our way of thinking and maybe opens our mind to some other possibilities you know it's you all know my passion for this sport it's it's unrivaled in terms of what i believe this sport brings to life i'm a i'm a massive advocate of that for for children to get involved one in sport itself but then the tennis journey yes it's challenging but it opens up so many doors so many life skills and we've got to get that message out there i myself I'm fortunate to have been asked, so a lot of my learnings from the podcast are going to be shared next week in the conference, and I'll certainly be tuning in to listen to all the amazing speakers and seeing what I can take away from that. I hope that this podcast can remain and continue to be a, a, a voice that's getting out some good messages, some challenging messages, and for people to take these messages on board and put that in with their philosophies as well. As always, I welcome your thoughts coming back. You can get in touch with us via email, ctc.podcast at sototennis.com, or you can get in touch with us via social media on the Soto Tennis channels or on the CTC podcast channels. 
please do reach out. I love hearing from you all. More than happy to be challenged back, as many of you do. And I love those conversations as well. But thank you for listening. Thank you for getting the word out there. But until next time, I'm Dan Keenan, and we are Control the Controllables. <laughs>